It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super excited about today's show because we are going to be talking all about healing, healing body, healing mind, healing spirit. And today's guests are going to share techniques to empower you to cultivate health, wellness, and longevity. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about healing. I've shared on the show that I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this week, I'm kind of like, how do I rock my midlife? When I'm got breast cancer and really thinking about that. And as I was taking my walk today, I kind of turned that around and I thought, well, how do I not rock my midlife? Because staying positive, rocking your midlife, if you are healing, which to me, you know, healing isn't just about curing, getting rid of a dis-ease, but it's about becoming whole. For me, when I have a healing crisis, and this is my second healing crisis in midlife, I went blind about four years ago. I had retinal detachment in my right eye, and I thought, okay, universe is telling me to slow down, to pay attention and make some changes. But it's the same thing this time. It's kind of like, you know, the first time maybe the, the healing crisis was wearing a pantsuit, and now it's wearing, hearing a wrap dress. Um, and... You know, I'm, I'm really doing everything I can to rock my midlife because my life is awesome. Just because I have breast cancer, it doesn't mean that I don't have amazing relationships. I love where I live. I love my career. I feel fantastic. So if you're going through some type of crisis, you are having you know, some kind of challenge, and let's face it, who is not at midlife, right? We've got relationship challenges, health challenges, that beautiful thing called menopause. We've got career challenges, financial challenges. You know, this show is going to be all about finding that wholeness in that balance, particularly around we're going to be focusing a lot on the physiological. Um, and you know, what I'm finding is that life is this giant classroom. If you take the perspective that you are a soul having a human experience, and it's like, okay, what the heck does my soul need to learn from what I'm experiencing? And looking at these obstacles, the challenges as really giant opportunities to notice what needs transforming. Like, what do you need to do to bring your life back into balance? And I think we all, most of us as women go through menopause and it's this tremendous opportunity to look at and say, well, maybe I have been giving more than receiving. Like who does that, right? How many of us give more than receive? Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I'm in a career that is really not in alignment with who I am or relationship that I've outgrown. And it's this great opportunity, you know, when we're hit with challenges to say change and transform. Um, and it's not always comfortable. It's definitely the caterpillar to butterfly thing, right? When the caterpillar changes into a butterfly, it's not like it just goes to the spot and it transforms as this beautiful creature. It literally digests itself. So the caterpillar first creates the chrysalis, which is like a, a shroud, and it excretes an enzymatic acidic goo, turns it into a goo, that it digests itself. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're like, okay, what's not working in my life? Like I'm looking at 
you know, I got to work on some of these workaholic tendencies that I have had for a long time, maybe slow down. There's some dietary tricks, but it's a great opportunity to become that butterfly. For me, I'm looking at it as, you know, a way of how can I live more deeply? How can we at midlife say, gosh, am I really enjoying my life as much as I could or as I'd like to? How do I slow down and enjoy my life more and savor more of my life? And the thing that I'm realizing is that it's not these Herculaneum shifts. You know, I've been a health and wellness coach for 15 years. And when people come to me about changing their lifestyle, they're like, oh, my God, this is so much work. I've got to do an overhaul. But there's these like beautiful changes you can make, things like focus on you instead of taking care of everybody else. Tell your kids to make their own damn dinner clean their own room, right? Maybe the floor doesn't get vacuumed and mopped every week. You let some things go. So focusing on yourself and what you need. I'm finding turning off the news is huge. We have this, if it bleeds, it leads news cycle. And I'm glad that we have so many podcasts that are nourishing. But listen to a podcast that nourishes you. Listen to nothing at all or some music or read a book, but do less of those things that drain you, like listening to news, which can be so distressing, Make time to relax and do more of those things that bring you joy. I'm spending a lot of time barefoot outside, doing gardening, going bird watching, reading a book, playing my ukulele, playing with my art supplies. I think midlife, we can like, where am I playing in my life? We can really reevaluate and like discover that inner child um, and keep a wish list. That's something I'm finding powerful. When you get this, this sort of download of, oh yeah, I want to do that thing. I want to volunteer or try that recipe or travel somewhere. How are you expanding your horizon? So those are just little things you can do that make a huge difference. Also, if you are going through something, just realize, you know, shit happens. This is common humanity, which is the second element of self-compassion where people get sick. It's just part of life. And I, I know I had to sort of digest this, gosh, did I fail my body? And, you know, I, I do almost everything I think I can to stay healthy and kind of like, okay, this is just common humanity. It's the luck of the draw. And, you know, maybe there is a larger purpose to this, but just knowing that if something goes wrong, this is normal. It's not that it's just you, but when you realize this element of common humanity that we all fail, we all get sick, we make mistakes, it's part of the human condition, then you don't feel so alone and you don't feel like you have to ruminate on it. Um, and I guess the one the other thing that I'm really realizing through uh, this diagnosis is I'm edging God out. I'm letting my ego go a lot as uh, you know, Wayne Dyer talks about this EGO standing for edging God out. And when you have a healing crisis, it definitely opens up that spiritual channel. You open up your heart, you cry more, you like analyze what's going on, you ask for God's support, you ask for prayer help, energy work, all of those things. And it's really, I'm finding out of my seven steps in my book, I'm feeling more authentic. Um, I am really amplifying my self-love. Um, I'm really working on bringing my health to another level, feeling very empowered about making my own medical decisions. Um, and I'm also just feeling just definitely closer to spirit and uh, connecting with that more. So those are some ideas about healing. I would love to know what you're going through. If you have an idea for the show or suggestions, reach out to the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com or just hit me up with a comment 
comment in a box on your favorite podcast platform. I'd love to know what you think about the show. So I'm excited to bring on our first guest who is an expert in terms of healing, both menopause and breast cancer. She is uh, Junie Boucher. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified unplug meditation teacher, which I absolutely love. Can't wait to hear more about that. She was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease at 15 and then breast cancer at 41. And she has seen incredible changes to her health, her stress levels, and her overall joy as a result of nutrient-dense meals, a consistent meditation practice, and a whole lot of self-love. And her practice focuses on breast cancer survivorship and the management of perimenopause and menopausal symptoms through whole food nutrition and stress management. And she also has a podcast, which is awesome. It's called The Tata Cancer, which focuses on healing after breast cancer diagnosis. Junie, welcome to Rock Your Midland. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. And where are you? I forgot to ask you that off air. Where in the world? So I am in Los Angeles right now. Um, I'm actually going to be moving to Portland, but currently in Los Angeles. I'm a California girl. Oh, nice. And Portland is a lovely city. I'm I'm, I'm on the other coast in Vermont. So before we sort of get into how we can heal ourselves through menopause and maybe prevent and also heal breast cancer, tell me a little bit about your story and how you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Absolutely. Sure. So when I, I actually found a lump myself and when I turned 40, I had started doing mammograms as per the recommendation they didn't detect anything on my first mammogram. About 10 months later, I was walking my dog in the morning walk and I just happened to kind of clutch my chest area and I felt something. I immediately asked my partner at the time to see if he noticed something, which he did. And uh, lucky for me, I was able to get through the diagnostic process within a week and uh, it was very overwhelming. So I completely understand what you're going through right now. And um, so my breast cancer was a hormonally driven cancer. So fed by estrogen and progesterone. And I was lucky because they detected it early. And they originally thought there were two lumps and actually two different types of breast cancer. When they went in and did the surgery, so I don't know if you've you did you've had your surgery I've had already, surgery, correct? Yeah, yes. I had a similar okay. story to you. I mean, basically, I, I was diagnosed, and then I was able to have my biopsy the next day because somebody checked mm-hmm. out their biopsy, and then I I think I had surgery like a week later. Uh-huh. So I went through the. Uh, it's like a it's like a funnel that they put you through, and it's sort of if you're listening and you're I guess the first big thing we have to say is early diagnosis is where it's at. It is so incredibly treatable and it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. Um, So I'm glad that you were diagnosed early, but I was, I was same thing. I I got through it in, in less than a month from the time of diagnosis to my surgery. Wow. Well, my story actually is a slightly different in the sense I was diagnosed quickly and then I waited for months for my surgery, um, which was that was difficult <laughs> because they thought it was a lot more advanced and far along. It wasn't in my lymph nodes. Well, I didn't know that until after the surgery. So there were a lot of unknowns, which I find can be one of the most difficult parts of cancer for a lot of people is just the waiting and the questions because the mind starts getting really active. Once I had my surgery, which I did opt for a mastectomy, 
they so that I could get out of radiation. Um, then, you know, things really kind of, I would say, mellowed out pretty quickly with breast cancer too. Like you said, there, there have been so many advances in the science and the testing. So I was actually able to avoid chemotherapy because they were able to analyze the tissue sample from the mastectomy and recognize that with my specific cancer, chemotherapy would be more harmful than productive. So, you know, I had a surgery, I did lose a breast, which is an experience in itself, but I was able to avoid chemo and radiation. And I'm about to hit my three-year anniversary of being free of, uh, or I guess they call it no evidence of disease, Ned. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm so glad. And again, if you're listening, I think I I just hear too many stories of women who are so scared that they're not getting early diagnosis. So I'm a big advocate of getting a mammogram. It's quick, simple, and easy. If you have breasts, if you have dense breasts, as I do, you should get also an ultrasound um, as well. So I want to talk a little bit about the role that trauma plays in cancer, because I know you've been studying this a lot. And I know my own background, I have some trauma in my background that I feel has played a role. What's, what is your information about the, the connection between trauma and cancer? Yeah, I really went down a bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> I was one of those people when I was diagnosed similar to you, it was very shocking. I felt like I had been doing a lot of things right. But um, so what I've found, and you know, this is all somewhat esoteric. There is a new there's a field called psychoneuroimmunology, which I find extremely fascinating. You may have heard of the book, The Body Keeps the Score, or When the Body Says No, where they really look at that stress disease connection. So I had had an extremely dramatic breakup um, with a, a, on my wedding day a couple of years before my diagnosis. And I went into a really had never felt heartbreak on that level. I've always been kind of a solid person and it, it, it took me down. I mean, I had to really kind of rebuild my heart from the ground up. And, you know, I have some childhood trauma, um, some sexual abuse. Um, now in my research and what I found, they can, they look at more like emotional abuse, but I have noticed in a lot of the literature that I've read, and this is not necessarily backed by science per se, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of women who have had something really traumatic happen emotionally and sometimes around a relationship within like three to five years before their diagnosis. So I think almost any one of us on this call or in the show today would probably agree stress affects the body, makes you more susceptible to disease. Um, I don't know if I could prove that, but I think it's very interesting to explore stuff like forgiveness, resentment, um, denial. These are all things that as I'm studying these emotional roots that come up a lot with just about any cancer, breast cancer specifically, it's you know, are you somebody, there's the cancer personality or the breast cancer personality. Are you somebody who never puts yourself above others? Do you nourish yourself? How do you nourish yourself, body, mind, and spirit? So it's really opened up this window for me to examine my life in that way. That's great. No, the body definitely keeps score. So, you know, there's also, (laughs) Damasio talks about emotions are felt experiences in the body. 
And by really detecting where in the body we're feeling them, we can actually help to, you know, if you feel it, you heal it, healing those places in your body. And mine's on the left. So it's kind of like, I was reading Louise Hay and it's about, you know, have, are you receiving enough? And I know that in my marriage and with my kids, I was always like giving, 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 and just wanting everybody to be happy and trying to make them happy, not thinking about myself. So I definitely feel like there's a connection. So what is the relationship you also, uh, we had talked on uh, through emails about endocrine disruptors and how can hormone imbalance contribute to that? So in our world today, and you don't have a hormonally driven cancer, but I guess, so that's sort of where I focus on, but I mean, we are exposed to these endocrine disruptors all the time in the receipt paper. When you go to the grocery store, Target, the ink that's, you know, that has BPA in um, plastic, all the plastic that we use, the Starbucks lid that you're drinking a hot beverage through. You know, these are all things that are leaching these endocrine disrupting chemicals, and those can mimic different hormones in the body and cause hormonal imbalance. So with a hormonally driven cancer, for instance, like my breast cancer, you know, estrogen dominance, where your ratio between estrogen and progesterone is out of balance, which is very common in midlife, especially because your hormone levels are declining, especially that progesterone. Um, And then when that gets out of balance, you can feed the cancer with those hormones. And so I think it's really important, this non-toxic living, we are seeing a lot more products that are conscious of eliminating some of these chemicals, because if you start going down that rabbit hole, it can be very overwhelming, but it can also be quite frightening to see how little regulation that there is and how these common household cleaning products, beauty products, you know, what we're putting on our skin, what we're absorbing on an everyday basis. I mean, those are things we can control and get products that are, are better for us, but we're exposed to things all the time in the air, in the environment that we're in. So I use almost all non-toxic products. And there's apps. I don't know if you've heard like of the EWG environmental working group app, Think Dirty. You can take that to the supermarket and scan items that your beauty products and stuff. And it'll tell you if it's got stuff in it that you want to avoid. So I do think that's why we're seeing a lot more cancer, especially in, I mean, places like California, um, Marin County, the Bay Area, there is in Ventura County, extremely high levels of breast cancer. And I would attribute that or I would I, I would assume that we're seeing a lot more of this because of the amount of exposures that we're having that are disrupting the balance of the body. Yeah, it's hard to get away from. I'm working with a physician now and, you know, she's like, no plastics. And so I'm like, okay, exactly. at the water bottle covered, but just even getting products, like getting a box of lettuce, or getting in everything. If you go to Costco, I'm buying all organic, but everything comes in plastic bags. So it really is kind of crazy. As I'm sort of using things up, I'm replacing everything, all my household cleaners. I don't wear that much makeup, hair products, all that stuff replacing. But there's when you take a look at how much toxic stuff we consume, it's incredible. And when you're doing, when you're buying the non-toxic, it's also better for the environment too. And you are voting with your dollar to have more of those environmentally friendly products. So it's a good move on on a lot of levels. So I want to talk a little bit about meditation. How did you discover meditation and how can it help support women with their healing, whether it is, you know, they're trying to avoid breast cancer, going through breast cancer, menopause. Tell us a little bit about your, and I'm I'm dying to know what this unplug meditation is about. 
So Unplug is actually the first drop-in meditation studio that in the world. Um, and basically it was a, is a 200 hour training. I mean, anybody can in theory teach meditation. I wanted to go through a training so that I could guide people through, because as I started my nutrition practice, I realized how stressed out everybody is specifically women. Um, they're trying to manage everything. And, um, that if we don't have our stress under control, that we just really, it's very difficult to make health changes and it can feel really overwhelming. So, um, what the way I found meditation was about 10 years ago, I was living in Puerto Rico and I lived right near this gorgeous coral reef. Um, and I, but I had this anxiety about being in the ocean. So I said, you know, I felt like I'm wasting a lot of beauty and I found the Headspace app. Have you, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's pretty common sure. and popular. And they had um, a free trial and they had an anxiety program. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And I did this program and I was able to conquer my ocean anxiety. And it just really opened me up to a regular meditation practice, I saw such a big difference in me. And as I've gone through various experiences in my life, I've just seen how important it is to be able to have that pattern interrupt, which is basically that that moment of just being able to just detach even for a nanosecond from your thoughts, because we can't stop our thoughts. And that's a common misconception about meditation, right? Is, I mean, ultimately you want to go to that place of stillness, but it's, it's not going to last. And that's not even really the point. The point is being able to drift back and forth and to train your mind so that you can stop because we can't eliminate stress, but we can change our response to it. So, I highly encourage women that I work with and any woman to adopt a meditation practice, no matter how small, you know, one minute, even, I mean, 16 seconds, if you take a breath for, you know, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, that feeling your feet on the ground. I love that you said you walk around barefoot, like taking a moment to just take a breath and pause even if that's all you feel like you have, it, it will change your life. I will truly believe that. It's true. And that box breathing is great. The Navy yes. SEALs actually use that. And what it does is it powers down your um, sympathetic nervous system. So the fight and flight, and it powers up your parasympathetic rest and digest. And even you know, 30 seconds of doing some breathing, people think, oh my God, I have to sit down for 20 minutes and get a cushion and get a guru. And you really don't. It's really about just either watching your breath or watching your thoughts. And I have to say that my mindfulness practice with this diagnosis has been a lifesaver, you know, because in my mm -hmm. mind, you know, you just have all of this information and all this stuff's going through your head. And because I've been meditating for years, I can turn it off. And what happens is you turn off what's called the default mode network. That is a, a network that runs down the center of your brain that's constantly scanning your environment for, for danger and self-definition. And the mindfulness piece really shuts it off. So it's so important to do. Also, you know, shutting down the stress response or calming it down if you're going through menopause, it's super important. Um, so let's talk a little bit about nutrition. So what, do you what role do you feel nutrition plays both in supporting the body when you're healing from cancer or you're going through menopause? And what type of diet do you generally recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, 
I think we all know that eating well is, is going to help you handle situations better. But specifically for cancer, I mean, if you are going through surgery, chemotherapy or radiation, you need to support your body like with, with proteins to make sure that you're healing properly, um, sufficiently fueling your body for recovery. Your body wants to heal. But when you are having these I mean, it's a trauma in itself to have the, you know, a surgery or radiations, anything like that. So you need to be fueling your body with the nutrients so that it can do what it needs to do. And stress depletes vitamins as well, vitamins and minerals. So just trying to give your body what it needs. I mean, fueling, like I said, for surgery, really want to make sure that you're getting proper amounts of protein. I mean, with breast cancer and in my situation with a hormonally driven breast cancer, I am one of those people that does believe organic is important. The quality of your food. I mean, if you have the choice of buying an organic you know, piece of meat or having to have something terrible like ramen noodles or something, obviously you don't need to have the, you don't have to go organic if you can't afford it. I mean, there, everybody makes their compensation for their particular situation, but just eating whole foods, prioritizing protein. Um, if you, I am a lower carb person, um, I do believe in the metabolic approach to cancer. You know, there are so many different thoughts on this and, um, but I think anybody can agree that the plant forward diet, just incorporating as many fruits and vegetables, emphasizing vegetables in particular is extremely important for cancer. And the same goes for women going through perimenopause and menopause. You want a balanced diet and balancing your blood sugar is extremely important for hormonal balance um, and also healthy fats. That's a big thing uh, that you want. High quality, healthy fats really support the hormonal health. But ultimately, I think it's having proper meals that have a balance to them. You know, you don't have to make it overly complicated unless you want to. I'm the type of person that loves to get as deep as possible into it. But I just think really eating a sufficient amount of food, um, you know, two to three meals a day. I mean, there is... Inter intermittent fasting can be very beneficial for hormone balance if you don't overdo it. Can also be beneficial to support the um, the chemotherapy process. There's scientific studies that show that it is um, improving the efficacy of chemo and actually is protective for the body. Um, that's probably another episode entirely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just making sure you're eating proper food and um, feeling good, keeping that blood sugar balanced and um, focusing on nutrient-dense whole foods. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm whole food plant-based all the way and mostly vegan, but I do eat a little bit of, of animal protein that's organic. And um, fortunately, my fiance is a big gardener, so we are we are already starting to get the kale and the collards and everything is growing crazy. I found a change that my um, integrative medicine doctor recommended is giving up grains has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm noticing a lot, my aches, my pains, my knees, which is interesting because I'm a registered dietitian and my training was so much of like, you know, six, seven servings of whole grains every day. But I think you need a really individualized approach. So if you are struggling, I would say, get some help. 
There are nutritionists, coaches, all kinds of people out there who can support you. So real quickly before the break, what are your one or two key ingredients for feeling fantastic at midlife? So what are you finding keeps you joyful? Obviously, you've got a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of juiciness to your life. What are your secrets? Um, Well, I just saying no to things that I don't want to do. You talked a lot about getting out in nature, Um, but also for me in midlife, I've gone a bit of a non-traditional route. I'm not married. I don't have children. And for me, actually leaning into my sexuality has been a big thing about for rocking my midlife, feeling beautiful, um, getting dressed up. I it's I actually feel more sexually confident than I ever have. And um, and it's very empowering and it's bringing me a lot of joy. That is awesome. I love that. And that shifts a lot. So thank you, Judy, so much. Stick with us after the break. We're going to take a quick break. If you want to get in touch with me, go to rock. I'm sorry, go to the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. When we come back, we are going to be talking all about Asian medicine to utilize for both menopause as well as cancer uh, prevention and treatment. See you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisper.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisper.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. I am so happy that you are here to join us. And I want to let you know that the show is sponsored by TheOptimal.me. For the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent, and energetic without pain or injury, and feel confident that this phase of life is their best. You can take control of how you age with TheOptimal.me. You're never too old to take a smarter approach to aging and give yourself the freedom to make your next chapter your best chapter. And I've been using it, and I just love the way that it's teaching me to use my body in new ways as I age so that I really can make the next 40 years absolutely amazing. So check it out. You can get a free month trial. It's the optimal the optimal.me is their URL. So before the break, we were talking to Junie Boucher, and now we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we are going to talk to Sholin. She is an alternative and Chinese medicine expert with over 20 years of experience in alternative and Chinese medicine. She is a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist, and she has founded the Integrative Healing Arts in New York City, where she offers acupuncture, herbal medicine, and energy healing to her treat her patients. And she really recently completed training in psychedelic-assisted therapy with the California Institute of Integral Studies. So we're going to definitely have to talk more about that. And she specializes in women's health, anti-aging, stress, anxiety, immunity, sleep, and fertility. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. Thank you so much for having me. Um, All great uh, conversation on the first half and uh, so so many practices that of you know that I also uh, make suggestions for my patients, um, and these are you know East Asian medicine, Chinese medicine, Japanese, Korean, you know, all throughout. Uh, when you look Asia down, um, really the the difference in the paradigm is about cultivating health and wellness, and uh, I like to really emphasize that going away from ideas about transactional medicine to be transformational and medicine, right? Because healing is a transformational process. And uh, so what I usually find is like, what is the difference between, you know, East Asian medicine and Western medicine or, and when we start to get into like, uh, where's the research, where's the proof, then people are usually looking for transactions, you know, causality. Um, and of course, biological plausibility is really important in research, but then we really need to look at, uh, you know, individually, like treating people individually. Uh, That's a really good point, because I have to say, when you get diagnosed, you're told, boo, 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 and every single breast cancer is looked at the same. And I think for myself, what's been really empowering is really to do both the complementary and the conventional. I think there is room for both of them. Um, but it's so true because Western medicine is really about, okay, let's literally get a, um, a code for it so we know what the insurance company is going to do. And so it's all about like figuring out what's wrong instead of figuring out what led to this. That's what I am doing for the transformational piece. And the wellness piece is like, where the heck did this come from? And what do I need to do individually? So it's going to be great to talk about that. But before we 
dig in. Um, Tola, do you have a question yes. for Juni? Absolutely. Okay. So Juni, there was a lot. I'm, I'm like you. I go down the rabbit hole of information. <laughs> and uh, what I usually tell my patients is to kind of like stop doing that, like and, and clear the cookies because then like they keep getting these things showing up. So when you were doing the research, how were you able to discern what was relevant versus all the stuff that comes up and and how what was the one thing that you said okay this is the one thing I need to start at like that that's what I would like to know from you well that is a a great question and you know what I tell people as well because that is kind of it is kind of controversial and you typically do hear from your medical professional don't go to Dr. Google. Um, and I just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like verify the source, you know, where, where is the information coming from? And, you know, is it, is there a scientific basis for it? For me, I, I really found a mixture of, well, what resonated with me was, uh, the, the metabolic approach to cancer, which, um, Dr. Ellen was talking about going grain free and they are a lot about the role of, of insulin in, uh, the, feeding of cancer and it just felt right to me. So, cause you know, you can go so many different directions, especially with breast cancer. Some people say very much vegan, um, some other places, just this extremely low carb. And um, I had to just look at what I felt was reputable, but also what resonated with me. And then I was reading just various pieces of more, a little bit more um, esoteric wisdom and Chinese medicine sort of philosophy about the emotional roots and just seeing what felt right, because you can't really go wrong if you address areas in your life where you may need to release resentment or forgive. So I think there's a mixture of, of common sense, <laughs> reputability, and going with your gut. Right. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm oh, resonating with all of that. And also just as I'm a, looking at, a, at treatments, my big question is, through the lens of, is this going to support my body or hurt my body? And to what extent? Because my goal, and this is kind of, I guess, weird when you go to conventional medicine, like I want to make it to 100. I'm not letting go of that desire. Like my life is awesome and I want to live another, you know, four plus decades. So as I'm looking at options, I'm always thinking through that lens of what's the downside of all of this. So, um, so I'm, I'm curious, Sholin, how do you interpret menopause through the lens of Chinese medicine? Okay. The lens of Chinese medicine is really broad, right? We've got eight branches and of course, mind body, which is the, the practices of meditation. There's food medicine, there's acupuncture, body work, um, uh, herbal medicine, right? Those are more. And then the practices that people need to cultivate their health. So the mind-body would be meditation, even doing something like Tai Chi, Qigong. Those are moving meditation, exercise, which is be moving the full body. Uh, we also have uh, feng shui, right? The art and science of placement, your environment. There is also cosmology, right? Uh, astrological. Uh, the In the classics, we look at these cycles, which are, it's very interesting for women goes through a seven year cycle, right? So as we approach post 35, our body already starts to shift, right? May start to have a little gray hairs, 
And then by the time you reach to 49, most that's really considered the, the, the time when the menses, like a regular menstrual cycle, will stop. And they say, you can't have children. However, in the classics, they also say that the ancients understood, you know, how to uh, use the energies of the universe really to cultivate that wellness and up to live to 100 and still have children, right? And this is, but these are practices which is really about being in alignment. So when we look in in particular, just kind of like scale back or tone back, menopause, we start to look at different patterns. Uh, Many of the patterns that women experience uh, as they get older are magnifications of maybe what was going on when they were younger, right? Because over time, you deplete what's called your jing, which is like your essence, like your deeper essence. So we, there are different types, we could call patterns that will show up, right? So if somebody was very, let's say, livery, um, you know, irritated, um, a lot of anger, like that kind of stuff, then later on, you start to see that when that pattern is magnified, they may have more of the, uh, the hot flashes, the mood swings, uh, often I ask, uh, you know, someone with a menstrual, let's say, problems or irregularities, are you homicidal or suicidal, right? <laughs> so you have like that are like they want to kill someone and then someone else is like crying all the time or back and forth uh, emotionally. And so that's going to like give information about their, you know, how they operate, right? Complicated right now is really so many women are on birth control, you know, and I see them, of course, and I see fertility patients too, but I look at like, okay, from the age of 15 till 35, that's 20 years on hormone replacement, right? And as Junie was talking about all these endocrine disruptors, birth control is an endocrine disruptor. That's the category. It suppresses a normal cycle. So that means it's not allowing your body to actually do a cycle, and we're looking at, you know, 15, 20 years. One of the things that happens with the hormonal birth control is depression. So we see women that then are on antidepressants. Uh, so what becomes really complicated is there are all of these other things, and then there's this aspect of interference, and then there's the food, you know, the the processed foods, the chemical, like all of that around. So yeah, we also don't know that the mood, well, women at midlife have the highest rate of depression for any group for their age and gender. And we don't know if it's because of the, the you know, the menopausal symptoms that they're not sleeping, you know, the more irritable, what's causing it, if it's the hormone imbalance itself, or it's the fact that their life is being disrupted by the symptoms. So it's, I think, as you're saying, it's it's very complicated. It's complicated, but it's kind of the same. So I wouldn't really think of it's either this or that because they all interact. So if you have poor sleep, that means your circadian rhythm is off. And that is your, what they can call your clock cells are being interrupted. uh, That's very close to the reproductive hormones, like your sleep cycle. So those are like places to look at. And and for me, and, and this is classical, you know, Chinese medicine is how yin and yang balance what's in balance, what's out of balance. And so you just like look at the sleep. That's one aspect. Uh, Like when are you sleeping? What's the quality of the sleep? Because we know when 
that gets regulated, we're also regulating the nervous system, right? And so those are areas. And then, of course, the food, uh, the one thing about, you know, there's so many diets telling us what to eat. And realistically, the one thing that I can say, no matter what kind of body type you are, if it's blood type or if you're doing um, uh, fasting, uh, that it sugar, you got to get rid of the sugar. Artificial sweeteners like those are terrible. And so there's so much when someone comes in that you're like, oh, they could you know, do all of these things, but really give them one thing that they are going to need to focus on. And I'm like, get rid of the sugar. I'm also like, I stopped having dairy, uh, even in my coffee. And I noticed a huge difference in skin a lot. So you don't even realize that there are foods that are creating micro inflammations and then affecting uh, the stress on the body. Right. It's hard too because you know we're taught you know again if we're coming from conventional nutrition and I've been a dietitian for thirty years and you know it's not a secret that the USDA makes the recommendations based on agriculture not based on health you know and I've cut out dairy I've cut out grains and certainly no sugar notice a huge difference so that's hard too though because so many people for. For people who are emotionally attached to sugar, what you what you recommend? So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going, yeah, I've heard it, but I just so emotionally. Well, everything converts to sugar, right? Everything eventually has to get broken down. I mean, you can definitely have fruit and, and, and things. It's just really like every, like the more processed a, a product is, you're going to find the sugar in it because that's what gives it the, the taste. Uh, so... You know, the, the, the thing, and also artificial sweeteners, too, because they mess around with insulin, right? Your brain doesn't really know the difference of it. So th- those are, are, are things that, you know, in terms of recommendation. Uh, now, you know, getting back to food, interestingly, you know, the older the culture is, like once, it, like right now we have food abundance. We can have any food, any time, whether it's in season or not really to be in yin and yang balance, you want to eat with the season, right? Because that's when the, the food is going to be the most nutrient dense, right? So we want nutrient, but also in, in season, right? So we're not artificially getting something. So you could eat fruit all year, right? But there are going to be certain times of the year where it's going to have much more nutrient uh, density, right? But looking culturally, certain foods and cuisine, because Food needed to be nutritious. You needed to feed the microbiome in the gut, right? And I definitely tell everyone, you got to do a probiotic because no matter what, you most likely, you know, that you, you, it's out of balance. Um, so uh, looking at, you know, especially like, let's say in, in Chinese uh, cuisine, and this is really like food is medicine. You have like medicinal food, like certain soups and stuff. Uh, but also most dishes are made with ginger and garlic, right? So ginger actually helps to warm the, su- the stomach. And then the garlic is actually great against things like parasites. So you start to look at and, and other kind of, you know, viruses. So you, you look at combinations. Uh, in herbal medicine, very classic, you see ginger, Right again to allow the stomach to warm and absorb, and then you also see things like licorice 
because it coats the digestive tract to make sure that it doesn't irritate, you know, as it's being, and to maximize absorption. And I think one of the problems with, I'm going to say in the West, but also now in the East, is that we've kind of forgotten that certain foods, the way that they were put together, made a difference. It, it, it had to be, you know, with the resources that people had. They had to maximize and also make sure always that they were promoting their health and wellness, right? They didn't have cakes and cookies and sugar all the time, right? Maybe they had honey. That was like the big, you know, and, and honey is actually very um, medicinal, right? So most most foods were really for medicinal purposes, uh, everything so that it made you well, right? So what are you finding, you're seeing are the most common menopausal symptoms and in terms of treatment, people listening, even if they didn't want to come in and, and see somebody who was an Asian medical doctor or an acupuncturist, what do you recommend for treating? So what do I, what do I see people mostly coming in? Well, I see definitely weight gain. That's a big, you know, a lot of digestive problems. I see sleep problems. Most women are, are coming in because they are experiencing terrible stress and definitely the flashing, the mood swings, um, and, and really weight gain. And there's, you know, like the skin sagging. So I, I have to say a lot of, you know, people, women come in because of there's this, all of a sudden they're like aging and everything is starting to, for them to feel like, oh my God, I'm getting so old, you know, once that happens. And, and so that's the urgency to come in. Um, so really looking at, you know, the diet, like what can they do, right? Uh, definitely, uh, I love the breathing exercises because so many people have the monkey mind, right? That they can't meditate. I mean, I learned transcendental meditation when I was 11, right? That just happened like, uh, but not everybody does that practice, nor do they teach their children how to, to do it. Like how do you self soothe? Uh, and, and much of what you say is also women, they don't put themselves first. Right. And, and I hear it like, well, I don't really have time to do that. And you're like, listen, this is your life. Like you have to feel that you're worth it. Right. And I think that's a, that comes down again, you know, kind of getting back to that transactional thing. Like how much will something cost? How many sessions? What do I need to do? Will I get the result? And also not, you know, being connected. And really that is that alignment right? The one thing with acupuncture changes the, um, the chemistry in the brain. It, it releases different neuropeptides. It actually remodels the brain, right? There's research that shows remodels the brain. And so this is really, we're looking at not only reframing, you know, what, how we look at aging, but also recognizing we need to shift because we need to shift the mind and the body, the spirit, like all of it. Right. right. And mm -hmm. we need to shift the approach too, because as you're saying, people yeah. come in and they're like, just give me hormone replacement therapy, like just give me a pill, give me something instantaneous. And that that's not what bringing things in balance are, because when you do those extreme, you, you throw a hand grenade at something, you're going to create imbalance somewhere else versus something like meditation, eating a more whole foods, plant-based you know, diet, 
uh, getting, making sure you're getting enough rest to saying no, doing all of those things is so much uh, more complicated than just like, give me a pill. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually, you know, one of the challenges is that we've kind of been um, hypnotized into believing that there's a magic pill, right? And people often take the, you know, they take the easy route, but in the long run, it doesn't, it, it ends up being a problem, right? So, of course, once someone realizes, oh my God, or they find out, oh, I have cancer, I need to change everything. Well, that in and of itself, changing everything is very stressful. And really, like, being intentional, and you want to look at the long game. Like you said, you want to be 100, right? So you have to look at this is incrementally, you're making improvements, and that is going to um, then multiply in terms of benefit, right? So this is really like a practice of, of, of health, like a health practice. Uh, so I love that your thing is as a as a practice. It's something you do every day. Like I do yoga, every meditation, day. right? Every so you day, get but, better every day. Yeah. yeah, and to do it too from a place of self love. You know, I started out my career, and it was all about this sort of self loathing. The doctor would say, "You've got to see the nutritionist because you've been bad, and you've gained weight. Your cholesterol is high, your blood sugar, and nobody wanted to be there." And for me, it's taken me sort of not quite thirty years, but it's been a process with working with people of just doing this because you love yourself, like eating right as self-care, nutritional self-care movement, because it's feeling good. Just so I saw you ballroom dancing. You, you know, that's something you do on the side. And that's just, it's great for your brain and it's great for memory. Um, But also what I wanted to say, like there, there's this in our culture is very negative to women. There's always something wrong with them. They're too fat, they're too thin, they're too old or too. So there's always this feeling of it. We've got something wrong. And, and where you were saying, like, kind of like the, the dislike of ourselves. And really, you have to love yourself. And you do it because you love yourself, right? Yeah, and the, in your body, even like in my case, you know, I feel like I've got, you know, a very small minority of my cells has gone south. And everything else is working fantastically. I feel great. And so to know that if you are breathing, there is more going right than wrong and to look at what's going right and how you can fuel yourself. So so awesome information. So we only have a few minutes. I want to make sure Junie has a has a chance to ask you a question. Yeah. So, did you have a question for, for Cholin? Absolutely. I could ask you a million questions. <laughs> um, but well, I, I was curious to know, I know you said you have a lot of background with different types of energy work. So if, if a breast cancer patient came in, um, what, what would be, what do you find is a a beneficial energy work. I mean, I know that's a broad question. I just would love to touch on that area of your expertise. Well, I mean, definitely something like Reiki. I also like uh, the Theta Healing. Um, because, and you know, this is and and self, you know, things like self hypnosis to really like talking, you know, body talk. Uh, it's really a process. Like when I work with someone, so acupuncture is energy heal because we are moving the chi. Uh, and then I also wanted, I know we, before we were even recording, you were asking me a question about emotion and things like cancer. And uh, one of the things for sure, anger and resentment, but also if someone was abused, then they were invaded by someone else's energy. And if that doesn't get cleared, then that also creates like this disruption that is suppressed Right and needs to come out. So I just wanted to like answer that question for you that you had earlier um, done. So the energy, yes, the bre- and I think the breathing is the one is the beautiful thing because at, so, at you know after several rounds, 
that you realize that as you're breathing, every one of your cells is breathing at the same time, right? So you're really energetic, like you're connected, and then you connect to everything else. You can really feel it, and then you use that energy, the energy of the universe, right, to do the transformation. I just have to double down on the Reiki, because I've been doing Reiki for almost 30 years. I'm a Reiki master. I teach Reiki, and I have to say Reiki has made a huge difference. I didn't need pain management after my surgery. I felt like I just just, just did this and just put my hand on my heart. And um, Reiki is powerful. I think both, it is something that people can learn. So women, thank you so much. It has been such a joy. Junie, how can people get in touch with you? Um, You can contact me on Instagram, Junie Be Well. Uh, That's probably the best way right now or my website, uh, juniebewell.com. And Cholin, how can people reach you? Uh, they can uh, reach me also on Instagram. It's Integrative Healing Arts NYC. And then I also have my website, uh, IntegrativeHealingArts.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This is Rock Your Midlife. Reach out. I'm at TheMidlifeWhisperer.com. Thank you for, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week, and go rock your midlife.